1: Welcome to the Billboard Chart Podcast. Mary Charles Billboard Senior Director of Charts. And hey guys,
2: it's Trevor Anderson, a chart manager here at Billboard. Of course, this is the place where you always find out why what's on the charts is on the charts. A lot of action happening this week, uh, specifically right at the top for big fans, Mariana Grande, who have been you know, waiting for that first number one single for years. They got it at the end of last year with Thank You Next. The wait for number two was significantly shorter, so we'll talk about her being back at number one this week on the Hot 100. Also, another thing Ariana fans will be waiting to cross off the bucket list, the Grammy Awards are coming up February 10th in Los Angeles. Ariana nominated for a few awards there, has not won a Grammy Award yet, so that could be a career first coming very soon as well. We'll talk about all the other acts who are nominated, Kendrick Lamar, Black Panther soundtrack up for a lot of big awards, Drake Scorpion. So we'll dive into her awards and all the major categories Coming up soon, we're going to invite Paul Grine, who is the founder of the Chart B column back in 1981. So really the first guy to to dissect what we do every week about what's happening on the Billboard charts and some of the big moves. So we'll have him on, and we'll have uh, Andrew Unterberger from Billboard's editorial staff. We'll be talking about the big four races, album of the year, record of the year, song of the year, and best new artist. All the categories with eight nominees for the first time, so we'll talk about how that sort of muddies things up in terms of picking a clear favorite, and we'll get into, of course, who we think will take home the big
1: statues on February 10th. Yep. It's uh, part one of two parts of our Grammy roundtable coming up over the next couple weeks. So uh, yeah, a lot to get to uh, for that. Just uh, before we get into all that, Trevor, it was a busy week on the internet. Uh, when When's the last time it's not been a busy week on the internet? There, there is, you let me know. There's a lot of good uh, music stuff the last couple weeks. I think you were actually you were actually behind one of them. Um, it, two okay. Qu- okay. I don't, yeah, I
2: don't think this really took off the way Gary's making it sound, but I appreciate the, I
1: appreciate the pump up. Well, there, there were two uh, questions, uh, sort of informal polls that came up. Uh, I thought were interesting. One was, uh, if you saw this, uh, what act did you see before they hit it big? Did you see that uh, going on on Twitter?
2: I did. I saw a lot of people, yeah, asking about just some of the, some of the people maybe from your hometown or right. just you know in their early iterations. That yeah, right.
1: for, for me, I I feel like I keep coming back to. Lisa Loeb, I saw her two years before "Stay." I missed you became a number one hit. She was opening for Mary Chapin Carpenter in Providence. I'd never heard of her. She I thought in he was gonna act,
2: I thought he was gonna say Mary J. Blige, and I was about to say wait, I was about to say wait, what a billing! Every time I mention Mary Chapin Carpenter, you always think I'm gonna
1: say Mary J. Blige. I
2: guess I guess that probably is a great window into who Gary and I are. If, yes. if you say Mary, who do we finish out with?
1: Uh, but yeah, uh, she, she was great. I, I thought she was really good, and when Stay became a huge hit a couple years later, uh, didn't surprise me. So maybe, uh, maybe that's that's my answer.
2: Uh, you know, it's funny. I we never were like a much of a concert going family. Yeah. So I guess you know, I guess my parents aren't really big on crowds and that kind of thing. So I, I really, unfortunately, couldn't participate in this because I didn't. My first concert, I think, I was probably like 15, and uh, I went and saw Fergie. But this was like when the Duchess album was. Was already really big, so obviously she was, you know, national star at that point. Yeah. So I, 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 can't really say that, you know, I, I've seen too many people before they blew up, uh, just not, I guess, not, not really part of the the fabric.
1: Yeah, the other uh, two people I'm thinking of, and it's uh, the benefit of uh, how Billboard has so many people uh, come in and play here. We uh, play on Facebook Live or, or film videos. Uh, it was my my first or second week at Billboard in 2006. Taylor Swift came in, played our kitchen. Thought she had something, she turned out turned out to be pretty big. And uh, Adele, a couple of years later, she played our kitchen as well. It was Totally packed. Obviously, her her fandom was building at that point. So uh, before they became absolute huge superstars, Taylor and Adele played the Billboard kitchen. Uh, that's what
2: they're playing right next to the toaster and the dishwasher. And the, the Adele video actually, they, there's a video of um, of some of that. And she did some video while she was here. And I think probably my favorite line, just the understatement is. Her essentially saying, you know, because she's big in Britain more than she was in America at the time, this is the time in 19, so this is well before 21 and everything came out, and she's talking about, oh, well, you know, I don't necessarily need to make it in America on my first album, like, maybe I'll make it on, like, my, like, you know, 10th album or something, and it's like, oh, only, you know, understatement of the decade that it would take Adele 10 albums to become big in America when it, I mean, 19 was, you know, successful enough, but of course 21 at that point just, you know, ran the charts for forever.
1: Uh, So the other question that you were—I don't know if you were the only one behind this—but I I saw you tweeting about it. uh, Song you hated before you eventually liked it. Thought that was an interesting topic too.
2: Yeah, I think the internet has a lot of ways has really helped, um, just helped the rediscovery become such a big a big facet. I think for me, I mean, a lot of things that I have in my iTunes library that I listen to, but I haven't necessarily put on Spotify, like. Because because Spotify doesn't know that I have these songs or listen to these songs, I guess they don't know. They probably are invading my whole computer or something. But that allows, I guess, for some some rediscovery, some old classics and things that from artists that you know I I never really paid attention to before. Um, I will say for me, probably the biggest two examples I think of when I think of this kind of question are both from the same artist and they're really from the same era. And I think it actually. Now looking back was really ahead of its time because the two songs that I think of are uh Nelly's My Place with Jaheem and Nelly's Over and Over with Tim McGraw. Both of those huh. out in about 2004 like ish This was um you know, and this was this was a different sound. I mean, if you don't know what those songs sound like, well, we're gonna fill you in right now.
1: We gonna still be this one, it's forever, it's forever, it's forever, don't you?
2: Probably, probably better known of the two. Here's uh, Over and Over with Nelly and, believe it or not, Tim McGraw.
1: When you think Tim McGraw, you think Nelly. I knew he couldn't resist. I
2: knew he wasn't going to be able to not say something. I knew it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For the longest time, it was Nelly. And, and that song... You know, because Nelly had come out in 2002 with Nellyville and Dilemma and Hot in Her, so there was, a, you know, an energetic kind of fun vibe to it. And I think when he, when he, went, when he went in this direction in 04, I mean, a lot of, like, sing songiness to it, and I think that was a time when people, you know, were like, okay, you're a rapper, rap. You know, yeah. what's this, this you know, sort of lovey-dovey kind of, you trying to hee-haw. This was before yeah. Autotune became big, so it's not, you know, you know, it's not the most on-pitch singing. And I think... You know, nowadays that probably would be, you know, no one would kind of bat twice about it. Yeah. But it feels like, you know, about 15 years ago when this came out, that felt like,
0: what are you doing? Like,
1: we played it on our AC station at the time. I remember over and over or over and over. And it was uh, Nelly, we're going to play Nelly. And even Tim, we'd played uh, uh, Live Like You Were Dying was a hit about the same time. But it was kind of a stretch to play a rapper with a country star, but very 2019.
2: And obviously that kind of got resurfaced again when he teamed up with the Florida Georgia line with Cruz. So it wasn't just sort of a one-trick pony. But right. I remember back then, yeah, being very much like like these Nelly songs. You know, we want party jams. We want anthems. We want, you know, this is the time that Yeah and Goodies and a lot of the crunk music's out. You know, we want something hype. And you're giving us, no, 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 no. But looking back, you know, with sort of the contemporary influence gone and all your friends in your ear telling you how bad a song it is. I mean, over and over, I think is a great chorus. Like, it's just, it's, it's just, you know, it's catchy, it's fun. It's, it's not,
1: doesn't try too hard. I mean, it's a, it's a dope track. So you listened to what your friends told you to listen to back then? Yeah, high school, weird time. You know, couldn't believe it. Uh, I think for me, uh, growing up, uh, uh, Bee Gees music, I just didn't appreciate at the time it, the, the disco backlash. So I just thought all of that stuff was just, uh, just so passe. And then. Uh, one came out in 1989 and it sounded it sounded like all their 70s disco hits and I thought no I'm, I'm not gonna like that but uh I did I really liked it and then wound up uh, going back it even uh it took a little time but yeah, all the all the disco stuff uh, eventually came back around so uh that kind of worked for me also I didn't like Alanis set. you want to know at first I thought it was way too way too here we go way too alternative just way <laughs> way, way too alternative way, way beyond me uh, but then I got into it, and uh, it was really uh, it was head over feet when I finally heard that. I was like, "Oh, she can do something that's more of a love song." So that kind of changed everything. And then I so you you didn't like a aggra- uh, she's too aggressive or she was too she was, wasn't too, first. She was yeah. okay. And okay. then she went kind of new agey after that. So maybe maybe she uh, maybe she heard me somehow.
2: I'm surprised about the Bee Gees because um, as much of a pop fan as you are, somebody who's big into it seems hooks and melodies, and I mean, I mean a lot of that stuff feels like it's very. I mean, it's very like in that in that mold. It's very different from '80s pop. It's 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 so, so you're more on like I mean, I
1: guess you are more on like the the AC side of yeah. it. So but like, it, the, you know, the, the high pitch voices, it, the, the disco track. It, it's it, there was it was so made fun of. I think for for so long afterwards that I, I just sort of, uh, oh yeah, that's that's stuff you make fun of. So I didn't appreciate it until later. Yeah, I mean that's it's part of I guess part of the equation. that seems similar for
2: both of us. Is is kind of the contemporary influence of you know what is what is what is accepted and what's what's not and right. i mean you know t- i mean nowadays i'm sure you know the big question is a lot of the soundcloud mumble rap you know nowadays people kind of obviously some, obviously it's big in terms of people liking it but there's a big backlash to it as well and maybe you wonder in you know in 10 12 years if we revisit it is it going to be as derided critically as it seems to be now
1: yeah the other thing that was uh, related online the past week that I'm really jealous I didn't come up with. I don't know if you saw this. The th- you see the 33, 45, 78 meme going on? Uh, <laughs> No, but I, <laughs> I can't believe I never thought of this, but it's one of the most clever things. Uh, if you were born in 33, 1933, you were 45 in 78. Wow, and we should probably say those, those who those don't all, know. Yeah, those are all records, vinyl records. Record
2: like it's record size and 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 the speed, I guess, of which that they had to come across. And it's only funny because I'll not. It's only funny. It's completely unrelated, but something I happened to catch yesterday. I was watching the View. Yeah, sure, fine. Sometimes I catch the View, and Meghan McCain and Joy Behar were on there, and Meghan swore she like talked too fast at one point, and Joy was thinking she talked too slow. And then Joy joked that she was the 33 and Megan was the 78. Yeah. So So this was literally the last night I was thinking about like I was watching that clip. So that's kinda of weird that you bring it up because I was just seeing something that's talking about 33s
1: and 78s. Should keep watching the view. Keep uh, coming up with it. Great the, stuff that's like
2: it. That. The view is the view is on point. Also, um, so you were born in 33, Gary, so I that actually applies to you too. That's kind of Wow, that's
1: convenient. I actually feel maybe younger than I ever have because born in 74, that's as, almost as close to 78 as you can get.
2: Sure, I'm sure 75, 76, 77 have nothing to, to counteract that with, but but yeah.
1: All right. Let's get into this week's top 10 on the Billboard 100. 10,
3: 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2,
1: one come whenever you smoke, we ain't running Number ten. Jup too hard, don't stand too close. You will wanna drown off this way. doing all your shows. I've been
0: on the road, I don't care why I go long as I keep paying ball Number nine. I pay with this
1: kitty
3: like you play with your guitar. Number
0: eight. It's a moment when I show up, got I'm saying wow.
1: My pocket is on me your grandmama probably know me Get my bottles, these bottles are lonely It's a moment when I show up, got I'm saying wow
2: Number seven I want to raise your spirits I want to see you smile
1: No, that means I'll have to leave
3: Number six I'll up Number five.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Gone on you with the pick and roll. younger the flame here and sickle mo. Number four, look what you taught me.
0: Yeah, for that I say thank you. Thanks, next, next, thank you. Thanks, nice, thank you. Next, I'm so fucking grateful for my ex. thank you. Next, Number three. Number two So you can take advantage of me. So me how you feel sitting up there, feeling so high, but too far away to hold me. You don't want to put you up there. Ain't me the sky. does it ever get alone. thinking you could live, found me. Thinkin' you could live, And number one. to the
2: medley so hopefully your ears are enjoying the top 10 recap in audio form this week and right there at number one a brand new number one a debut at number one it is ariana grandy with seven rings yeah yeah they have this yeah this this new this new chick ariana grandy seven rings the song is debuts at number one this week you know this kind of came up a while ago went pretty viral when she was talking about herself and her grandpa and you know she the last name was grandy and people always assumed it was grande and she never really just like corrected people that that's how she said it you okay. never you never heard this clip this is a brand new thing. this is the, okay okay well apparently Gary didn't know i thought you were um, joking no this is it because you know, this is the clip that that got everybody kind of like huh
0: my grandpa said grandy
1: so should we all be saying grandy
0: well my brother kind of changed it to grande because like grandy was kind of like the like i guess americanized version of it you know mm. like made it more like you know, chill like whatever. And then my brother was like, "We should say Grande. It's so fun to like say. It. It's like funny. It's like a funny name." And my grandpa. But I think of him, and I and I grew up saying Grandy, and I think of my grandpa, and I wish I said Grandy more.
2: Okay, so Ariana Grande, Grandy, whoever. She's number one this week for sure with Seven Rings, uh, which debuts as mentioned right at the top spot. Uh, her second number one debut, second number one overall. Of course, thank you. Next, also entered at the top spot last November on its way to seven weeks in the top spot. So how does Seven Rings get to number one this week? Well, streaming, no surprise, plays a huge part in getting her to the top. talking 85.3 million U.S. streams in the first week for the song, which is the second biggest streaming week ever for a song by any woman. What's number one, you may ask? Well, that would be Thank You Next, Ariana's uh, previous track, had 93.8 million after the official music video came out, which is, of course, tapped into some huge 2000s nostalgia with, with Mean Girls, 13 Going On 30, uh, Legally Blonde, and one other film that I cannot remember. Bring it on. Bring it on. All of those parodies played into that. So really, you know, the team behind her really gotten really tight with this music video strategy, putting them out on Fridays. They know what they're doing, and it's paying off in a huge, huge way.
1: Yeah, so there's a lot uh, here. So uh, Ariana is the fifth artist with multiple number one debuts uh, ever, just those five. Uh, Ariana, Bieber, Britney Spears, Drake, and the leader uh, with three number one debuts on the Hot 100 all time, Mariah Carey. uh, Thank You Next, the album, it's not even out yet, and it's already an an incredibly historic uh, company. Uh, It's only the third album all time that has two songs from it to debut at number one on the Hot 100. So third album, Thank You, Next, with two number one debuting songs in the Hot 100. So Thank You, Next. And now Seven Rings, Uh, Drake, last year with Scorpion, uh, did that with God's Plan and Nice For What. And before that, only one other album going back to the 90s. It was Mariah and Daydream with Fantasy and One Sweet Day, uh, first two singles from that album, both debuted at number one. So we're talking all time, three albums that have had two songs each debut at number one. Ariana's now in that club. Uh, so along with that, uh, she's the first artist, Ariana, whose first two number ones have debuted at number one. No one else has ever done that before. And uh, just looking at her history, uh, she had 34 Hot 100 hits uh, since 2013, since her debut. Uh, until Thank You Next, she'd gotten to number two with Problem in 2014. But uh, for uh, those first 34 songs in the Hot 100, didn't get to number one. And Now she's two for her last three at number one.
2: Yeah, and kind of some parallel tracks there in that... You know, it took those artists so long to get to number one. But once they did, you know, the number ones kind of fell in line pretty quickly, especially for Justin Bieber, but also uh, Taylor with 1989, you know, yeah. kind of started to rack him up. Ariana's obviously, you know, the wait, the wait for number two was much shorter than the wait for number one. So it feels like once you cross that barrier, you know, it becomes a lot easier to add to that total.
1: Even uh, someone like Santana back in 1999, he'd gone 30 years without a number one and then Smooth and then uh, Maria Maria, just uh, right after that goes to number one too.
2: Um, I, I, I want to say there's a, that's a little bit of a different story there. I don't think Santana was necessarily what the kids were going after, but I mean, but also, I mean, those are just two impeccable songs. I don't care what you say.
1: Uh, actually, speaking of uh, Maria Maria, which sort of turned into Wild Thoughts last year with uh, Rihanna, uh, th- uh, Ariana has the quickest run of two new number ones by female artists. Since Rihanna back in 2010 when she went back to back with What's My Name and Only Girl in the World. So uh, about two and a half months apart for Thank You, Next, and Seven Rings. So uh, I was talking to Republic Records about this recently, again, earlier this week, how uh, more is more. That's the strategy they're they're taking with Ariana in a streaming world where artists are just dropping songs uh, more frequently, not necessarily waiting uh, so long between albums. Uh, Again, uh, pop artists tend to be more structured, hip-hop a little more off-the-cuff in terms of uh, releasing music. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of their thinking, that, yeah, if the if the demand is there, uh, we're going to meet that with with the supply. I mean, I guess you know,
2: I don't want to get into a turf war with, with Ariana and her label, but it seems like that like she was the architect of that strategy. At least you know, the, the sense came from from some of the interviews that she's done. That you know, she was like, you know, wait a minute, why do all these rappers get to do this stuff and I don't get to do it? Yeah. So I want like you know, it feels organic. I too. guess I want to give if Ariana is the mastermind herself of it, I kind of want to give her
1: some shine for that. Yeah. I, it feels organic in a sense, too, with with maybe uh, Pete Davidson getting an assist for, for this music coming out so quickly as well. So it feels like some combination of this is what was happening in her life and label uh, obviously realizing these are great songs, too. So, uh, sure, let's just move on. That's not me saying let's move on. I'm saying that's what the label was saying. Let's move on to new Ariana music. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, so also part of number one, Rodgers and Hammerstein. We can't say, uh, we're not sure whether it's... Uh, Brandy or Grande. We're not 100% sure if it's Hammerstein or Hammerstein. We're going to go with Hammerstein. Does that sound good? That's, uh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein, uh, iconic composing duo, uh, started uh, back about 100 years ago, uh, creating all these classic songs, uh, Broadway musical songs. So Seven Rings reworks my favorite things. Uh, that's not the only song you probably know by them. Here's just a little sample of some of the songs they've written that everyone just knows them when they hear
3: them. You have found her. Yeah. Yeah.
0: stout-hearted men
1: who will fight for the right they adore
0: She gets too hungry for dinner at eight She adores the theater and won't arrive late She'd never bother with people she'd hate That's why the lady is a tramp
1: The Lonely Goat Hudley oh. Loud was the voice of the Lonely Goat Hurley Folks in a town that was quite remote her, lay, or lay, or lay. Hey, oh. Lusty and clear from the goat herd's throat her, So lay, lay, the last song in that medley is a song called The Lonely Goat Herd, which maybe doesn't sound that familiar, but maybe you know it from what Gwen Stefani reworked it as her song and wind it up. Rodgers and Hammerstein get their first number one as writers together on the Hot 100 this week. They're credited on Seven Rings because it reworks My Favorite Things. The only other top ten they had together was uh, Wind It Up, Gwen Stefani, reworking that song. So uh, Richard Rodgers and Oscar Hammerstein. Uh, Richard Rodgers actually had uh, one solo number one as a writer uh, back in 1961. It was Blue Moon, uh, recorded by the Marcells. So uh, almost 60 years later, he's back at number one, and they're together uh, at number one for the first time. On the Hot 100, so Rogers edges Hammerstein two to one in the number ones category. Okay, so uh, let's get into our Grammy roundtable this week, part one of two, talking about all things coming up with uh, the Grammy Awards uh, this year. Uh, We've got Paul Grine, as you mentioned earlier, Trevor, the founder of Charpie. There's no Charpie podcast with no Charpie with no Paul Grine back in 1981. Yeah, he's like the Moses of this group, you could say. I guess. Uh, And also Andrew Unterberger, uh, Billboard.com editor, a couple Grammy experts in their own right. So we're going to split this over two weeks, talking about the Grammys leading up to the Grammy Awards and uh, get into all things Grammy I will say uh, one thing about the Grammy Awards. I I always feel like as much as there's so much great music, every year there's so much that just never is even on the radar of the Grammys. I I always wind up thinking about acts that I like that just I think are, are good enough to be on the Grammys. but. It's always in the back of my head. There's just so much great music every year.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really tough. It's sort of the same way with the Oscars that, you know, people think that they're too, you know, they're too American-centric or whatever or it's just about a hype because so many movies come out and in that same way so many albums come out and we all know that it's impossible to listen to everything that comes out over the course of the year. So, you know, that's one of the detriments is when you're trying to award the best, you know, does it lean to commercial? That's a real debate. Uh, you know, hopefully there's maybe some steps that the Recording Academy can take in the future to sort of rectify that and, and even the playing field for some artists who uh, are underrepresented. All right. Talking
1: all things Grammys coming up with Paul Grine and Andrew Unterberger on the Billboard Sharpie podcast. Paul Grime, founder of Chartbeat. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming back on the Billboard Chartbeat Podcast. Thank you, Gary. It'll be fun. It was uh, fun to have you on last year, Trevor and I. uh, We talked all things, the Grammy Awards last year, and uh, you were pretty spot on, Paul. You
3: were saying it was going to be Bruno Mars' year last year. No need to question it. You're, of course, correct. I I did think he would win album, and he did. I think I got one or two wrong. But this year is going to be interesting, too. Well, let's get into
1: this year, and uh, Andrew, uh, Paul, will ask you first, and then Andrew, just overall, uh, what do you think? Good slate of nominees overall for 2019, Paul?
3: It is a good slate. I think the nominating committee goes a little bit overboard on the hip-hop to the detriment, possibly, of one actually winning. They don't seem to understand that when you flood the nominations list with hip-hop, you could actually be hurting the chances that one will win because you're splitting the vote so many different ways.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's that's an interesting sort of perspective on it. I have sort of wondered if the the increased pool of nominees will mean that you know, you know one one of the artists who uh, is maybe a little bit fringier actually has a better chance of winning just as a result of yeah you know, the more populist choices kind of canceling each other out almost and. Uh, yeah, so somebody with a more kind of devout fan base, or just someone who doesn't really uh, overlap that much with any of the other artists, uh, maybe maybe gets to kind of get, gets gets a little bit of an edge there. But uh, I, I do think it's a it's a pretty strong group of nominees. I think uh, in terms of the raps the rap songs that they chose and the rap albums that they chose, they they mostly chose the right ones. I mean, there, there's a couple sort of more controversial picks that I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about uh, later. But uh, I, I think a couple, you know, in terms of Recognizing the urgency of hip hop as as kind of the dominant musical format and popular right. music right now, I think they, they did a pretty good job. And, uh, and in ter- even in terms of the non hip hop choices, I think they were mostly a pretty good slate of uh, you know relevant artists, art, you know, artists who who did do uh, you know some of the best songs and albums of this year. I, I think in terms of the nominations, you know, there's there's complaints to be had, but when you just look at the the, the eight songs in, in record and song and the eight artists in uh, album, I think. Uh, I think it's a pretty strong slate. Now, I, I will say that the, the new artist category uh, that is a little bit less, I would say, a uh, you know, a little bit less arguable. I think that it was a relatively weak crop this year, and there were a couple artists. I think uh, Cardi B, Post Malone, Camila Cabello, uh, artists who you might have kind of thought just just by virtue of uh, them being kind of. Of, you know, out on the forefront of pop music, for most, mostly for the first time this year. I know, you know Post Malone's had some hits in years past, but uh, those are some of the, the names you'd expect to see. Uh, you can also throw in Kane Brown there. You can maybe throw in one or two other artists. Uh, and they were all deemed ineligible uh, due to kind of... Uh, it, it seems like the, the, the best new artist rules are sort of enforced when the Grammys feel like it. Uh, it you know, there, are, <laughs> there are other artists who, uh, like uh, Luke Combs, for example, who is nominated, uh, certainly was a major presence in, in popular music uh, you know, the year before, so it's it's a little surprising to see him there, and not some of those other artists. But uh, the the result of, of of some of those exclusions means that you get a bunch of nominees who aren't necessarily who a lot of people who haven't had kind of crossover success yet, or people who you know seem like there may be an album away some some artists who haven't even released a debut album yet, and uh, you probably wouldn't have seen them in years past with a uh, with stronger crops. But the 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 combination of the sort of weaker field, some of these exclusions, and uh, eight nominees means you're you're getting some some pretty
3: obscure names in there. Bodak Yellow was nominated mm-hmm. in a couple of categories last year. Her debut album was released this year, and it's up for album of the year. So uh, they're saying once you're a nominee, you're forever more excluded from Best New Artist consideration. And I get the rule, but it does seem unfair to her to shut her out of a category on what's basically a technicality. Sure. And also, it you know, they denied the obvious winner and the obvious... Uh, you know, a, a big star. Uh, the the roster of winners would have been more impressive if it included people like Lady Gaga, who was ruled ineligible for a similar reason, and Cardi B. Sometimes they knock the biggest stars out of contention to their own detriment, really. We'll
1: get into specifics of each category, but in terms of overall, does it feel that the Grammys uh, have the right nominees this year? Is there anyone... Majorly not up for big awards or more awards than they should be? How's, how's the overall state of, yeah, they, they pretty much got the nominees right for what pop music and overall music uh, felt like the past year?
0: Well, the interesting thing to me, and I've, I've written about this for Billboard pretty extensively already, is the lack of the kind of capital P pop stars, the sort of Artists that we think of as, as defining pop music this decade, people like Ariana Grande and Taylor Swift. You know, say Sam, Sam Smith maybe, uh, and even Camila Cabello, who uh, you know it was was a major nominee last year, and I think is still up for a, cu- a couple pop categories this year. Uh, you know, you, you don't really see them represented in the major categories this year, which is a little bit unexpected, especially because the last few Album of the Year winners have gone to the, those kind of you know marquee pop names like Bruno Mars and Adele and Taylor Swift. Uh, and you, you don't really have someone from that that kind of class this year. It, 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 it's more of a indicative of a, of a shift of, of pop center from those the sort of traditional pop stars, what we usually think of as pop stars from from the beginning of the decade, uh, to to rappers and, and 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 rappers who kind of meld rap with 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 R and B and rap with pop, and uh, and so you, you have you have Post Malone and Drake kind of taking those slots where they, they might have previously belonged to a Taylor or an Ariana. Uh, and, and you do have Lady Gaga in, in song and, and record of the year, but it's, it's sort of a different version of Lady Gaga. It's, it's, it's the, uh, the Bradley Cooper-fied Lady Gaga, who you know, not a lot of people would recognize as the same artist behind you know the Just Dance or, or Poker Face or Bad Romance or back when she was more of a, of a Grammy factor uh, in her early days. So it, it's, it's definitely a, a shift, and it's probably one we'll only see more, concentrated more so in the years to come. Uh, but if you're looking for something that was sort of missing from this year's crop of nominees, which I think otherwise is a pretty diverse and healthy crop, then it, it would be those kind of you know, big, murky pop stars.
1: But is that representative? If that's where pop music has gone, would it be forcing it to put in artists who are more pure pop?
0: Well, I, I don't think so. And in a couple examples, I think uh, you know going into this year, I would have called uh, Ariana Grande's Sweetener album as, as one of the sort of locks for album of the year. Uh, you know, in addition to being a monstrously successful album commercially and on the charts and on radio, uh, it was also her most acclaimed album to date. And, and you know, obviously she had a, a major narrative force behind her of coming off the Manchester attacks. And, you know, she, 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 took, she definitely took a level up in terms of just overall exposure this year and the relationship with Pete Davidson and becoming more involved in social media. And, you know, I would say, you know, coming into the Grammys, you know, coming out of 2018, most people would kind of peg her as, as the kind of biggest name in pop right now in sort of traditional pop. So uh, that that would have been a pretty seamless uh, nominee, uh, and you could could have had her in, in record and song of the year too, uh, and for, for for what song? Well, I would have said for "No Tears Left to Cry," but there probably is a case to be made for "God as a Woman" as well. I think uh, "Thank You Next" would have been a little bit too late, eligibility wise. But uh, those two songs, I think, probably would have been strong contenders had them been nominated. Uh, and uh, Camila Cabello too; she, she obviously was one of the was one of the big stars of the last year. "Havana" was the number one single. Uh, I, th- I think technically released outside of the eligibility period for this year, but uh, but her her semi self titled album was was really well received and very successful. Spawned another couple of hits after Havana. Well, Havana also got that yeah, Havana that live great Grammy technicality <laughs> yeah. of, of the live performance right. being being eligible. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm very much looking forward to talking about that uh, solo pop performance category because there's a whole, there's a whole mess of weirdness going on in there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that, that's that's one of it certainly and. Uh, yeah, so and then you talk about uh, the Carters, even uh, you know, obviously getting into hip hop there with, with Jay Z and even Beyonce does a little rapping on that album. But Beyonce certainly is is another one of those pop stars that you sort of pencil in, uh, especially with an expanded pool of uh, nominees. You think oh, eight slots, one of them's got go to go to two of the most acclaimed artists of their generation. You would think for sure that they would they would sort of get in there, but uh, yeah, uh, for whatever reason, uh, sh- shifting. You know, shifting pop definitions or, or just uh, you know kind of a, a new class kind of coming up to, to take the place of the old one it's uh it's a different time
3: I think the Grammys know that their voters lean pop uh, and historically they have as as Andrew just said the last three album of the year winners are all pop albums Taylor Swift Adele and Bruno Mars and I think they are Consciously decided if we put Ariana up or Camilla, given our voters pop leanings, their pop sensibilities, they could very well win, and do we want pop to take it every single year? Last year the nominating committee bypassed Ed Sheeran in each mm-hmm. of the big three categories. I think for a similar reason. They didn't, they after Adele had swept the big three awards two years ago, they didn't want to have another uh, British pop star, right down the middle pop, uh, winning everything for their own image considerations. They recognize the need for uh, hip-hop to prevail. No hip-hop album has won in 15 years since OutKast won in 2003. And I think they're aware that that's a, uh, a shortcoming, that you simply can't uh, not like hip-hop if you're purporting to Represent the best in pop music. It doesn't have to win every year, but there should be a sense that whether the winner is pop or rock or country or hip hop or what it is, everything has a more or less fair shot at it. And if there's a sense that the voters just don't like a particular genre, um, that leads to problems.
2: I mean, doesn't that lead to a, a a big problem? Of course, when when you look at something like okay, if we don't want a pop album to win this year, and then we sort of, you know, change the electoral map, as we'll say, to favor a hip-hop album this year, and then next year, let's say, you know, I'm sure Kendrick Lamar will be back in the conversation, and everyone will be assuming that, you know, here's the time for a hip-hop album to win, and maybe there's a great J. Cole album, and maybe there's all these hip albums. could happen this year with Kendrick Lamar,
0: technically, well, uh, the Black Panther soundtrack.
2: Yeah, yeah I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't want that to be the album that he sure. wins for, but then suddenly, you know, then there's a question of almost... Okay, well, hip hop won last year, so now do we need to, you know, sort of shift it back to to help pop out this year? Or I mean, it, once you once you change the playing field, you really can't get it back to to
3: even, right? It would be nice if we could get beyond this and uh, on gender and racial and genre issues. There, if there was a agreement that the Grammys are fair, the Oscars are fair, and we don't have to be so conscious of this, and maybe that day will come. I don't think it's here yet in in either or in any award show you know there's still a, a emphasis on um, breaking it down by demographics and and in the case of the Grammys also by genre and uh, hopefully one day we'll we'll move past that one two three uh. my baby don't mess around because she loves me
0: And album of the year, not going to a rap act in fifteen years since Outkast, and even that was not, you know, that that was not a traditional rap album in, in a lot of senses either. I mean, the, the the song that most people know from that album isn't even really a rap song in, in terms of hit, in, in off But uh, yeah. in, in, in right. addition to that, I think even more kind of uh, notable is that there's never been a rap winner in Record of the Year, uh, right. which, which or seems song of the year. yeah, or Song of the Year, which 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 is almost yeah. incredible to think about at this point. So. Uh, it, w- it would be nice to see a couple of those streaks finally fall this year. Uh, yeah. I-, I agree that it's you know it's sort of unfortunate that we can't talk about this in terms of just purely what albums are deserving, what songs are deserving. But you know it's important, and and it, it does seem like this is this is a good year. This would be a good year anyway for for a couple of those records to finally start falling. But uh, you know your I- I- your point is well heated that. Uh, that maybe having the you know, three or four rap nominees in a couple of these categories might uh, you know it, it might upset the balance a little bit and it might uh, result
3: in vote splitting. Who knows? We'll see. We should mention that the middle, uh, which is up for record and song, is you know pure pop, mm-hmm. and um, so they're while they're not you know big stars on the order of Taylor and and uh, Adriana and Camilla, you know it, it's just a a pure pop record. Also,
2: be interesting if a song that is premiered on the Grammys last year ends up winning
0: <laughs> the big yes. award yeah. the year after. Yes. But, and even that song, even though even though it is, you know, the end result of it is kind of a pure pop song, it still comes from kind of outside worlds of pop, you know, it's a, it's a dance DJ and a country star sort of that, that, right. are, that are the ingredients in that song. Yeah. But yeah, the, right. the, the the sum result is is certainly the closest to true pop we have in that uh, in that category.
1: You talk about uh, changes this year. So the big four categories, album, record, song of the year, and best new artist, uh, major change. We now have eight nominees each instead of five. Uh, Paul, uh, how do you uh, look at that? Is it a, a good thing in terms of its more recognition of talent? At the same time, it's more choices. or Critics could say uh, you had all these chances to get it right with more people. And if you don't like the uh, winner, uh, how could you get it wrong with that many uh, options?
3: If I could wave a wand, I, I think five nominees is the way to go. It's about the most number of things you can keep in your head at any one time. And when you get past the big four categories and you do encounter fields of five nominees, I think uh, I think that's a cleaner look and I think it's a, a better competition than this is just a big jumble. The Oscars have... Uh, Expanded, you know, about a decade ago, Best Picture. Uh, This year there are eight nominees. Most years there have been nine. Um, But they only do that in one category. They don't also have eight nominees for actor, actress, director. You know, uh, I think this makes the big four categories kind of cluttered and kind of congested and... um, I, it'll be interesting to see if this is a one- or two-year experiment or if they're going to keep it forever. Um, I guess that they'll listen for feedback on whether people like it or, or, or don't.
0: Yeah, I, I, I sort of agree with that. I, I, I didn't see it as a problem when we only had five nominees. I didn't see that any reason that we necessarily needed to expand it. I mean, th- that said, you do see some interesting nominees this year that you sort of wonder that, like, if, if there hadn't been eight, if there had only been five slots, uh, would Janelle Manet's Dirty Computer have been nominated for Album of the Year? Would Casey Musgraves' Golden Hour have been nominated for Album of the Year? Uh, Brandi Carlisle in her various categories? It, it's, uh, it, it's, it's definitely making room for some maybe more left-of-center choices. Uh, I will say, personally speaking, it makes it very, very hard to predict, uh, because I, I, even even with all these expanded nominees, there's still very few of them. Uh, particularly for album of the year that I, I would feel comfortable ruling out as okay this is this is just not this doesn't have a realistic chance uh i would say maybe one or two this year total and so now they're talking about six albums that have a you know there's at least a uh, uh, you know an explanation that you could give in theory for how, why this album would be considered a front runner or one of the front runners, and uh it, it makes it very hard uh, to sort of
3: see where the, the grams are going ahead of time maybe
0: that's not the worst thing you know it makes it more unpredictable
3: I think album of the year especially could be a category where the difference in the vote total between the winning album and the number 5 or maybe even 6 album in the tally will be very slight. I you agree know with it that, could yeah. be something could win with 20% of the vote or less uh, because there are, there are five albums in my view that that could easily win.
0: I'm curious, Paul, if you say that there are five albums you can see winning, which are the
3: three that you can't see winning? I think for album of the year, I don't think Janelle will win. I And the, though she's, you know, obviously very respected, uh, it's not inconceivable, but I, I would put her sixth. I'd put Post Malone seventh, and I don't see her as a factor in mm-hmm. album of the year. So I'd have her eighth. But the the rest of them, it could, are all very much in the hunt. Yeah, and I I think I agree. With,
0: I definitely agree with your number eight. The, the, the Her nominee is the, that that being a nominee is about as shocking an album of the year nominee as I can remember. Just in terms of I I, I wouldn't have not not in terms of it not being deserving necessarily. Although I, I personally wouldn't have considered it one of the best albums of last year. And in fact, it's not even really a, a, an official album. It's a it's a compilation of EPs and kind of odds and ends. So and uh, from an artist that. It you know, probably seems like uh, she hasn't really hit her her peak moment of, of 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 you know kind of mass crossover exposure yet. That felt a, a little bit premature to me to, to to nominate that for album of the year. Uh, but yeah, the, that that was the one album that I, I sort of crossed off immediately as as not really having much of a chance. Post Malone, I, I think, would probably be second in that. I agree with that as well. But I, I can't write him off entirely. He's he's too popular. He's too much at the center of what pop music is right now. And I feel like a lot of people in the industry really like him. Uh, and I, 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 I feel like it would be almost like a doomsday scenario for the Grammys if the first rap album to win uh, to win Album of the Year in 15 years was a Post Malone album. But I The like hot takes would be flying off the I press was, it, the it, next it, day. It would make the Bruno backlash look like a, like a couple of Twitter eggs by comparison. Like it's, it, it, it's, it's a nightmare scenario, especially for, for Neil Port now in his final, final Grammys year. Uh, and I don't yes, think it'll happen, it but I, I also don't think you can rule out the possibility entirely. So, with the uh,
2: we talked about three uh, nominees that you and Andrew both think are kind of long shots.
0: There's, I, so I just just quickly, I, I I don't know if I would call Janelle a long shot necessarily. I think I, I would have felt better about her chances if she'd been nominated in one of the other in either song or record of the year for uh, probably for Make Me Feel. But yeah, it just so just kind had... of the collective momentum. Yeah, was, yeah. But I, I do feel like. Uh, you know that that album was a very like a very impactful album, and I feel like in the sort of Grammy circles, I I think that you know it's it's an album that you know it crosses over to a lot of different kind of kind of fandoms, and it's it's it was certainly one of the most talked about albums of last year. I don't know, I I don't have an as easy time writing that off as I would an H E R album where it's it's. That album just didn't really feel like it played a major role in 2018 in any meaningful way. The Janelle Monáe album was at a, the center of a lot of different conversations, and I, I, it, w- it wouldn't shock me if that album won, certainly.
3: But it w- Janelle was passed over for a nomination for Best Urban Contemporary Album, which is uh, a bit of a sign of weakness that that the voters in her home, you know, whenever you're sure. not nominated in your home category, it... it, 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 it it suggests some vulnerability.
0: I almost wonder if that album was the victim of being a little bit too amorphous genre-wise. I mean, it's not really a straightforward R and B album. It's not really a straightforward anything album. There's 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 certainly pop elements. There's rock elements, and in terms of even the audience for that album, I think it's it's probably equally from all three of those fields. So. I, I could see it. I could see the, that it sort of gets left out in the cold, genre-wise. But still, you know, maybe maybe is a contender for for overall album. But you're you're probably right, and I, I certainly would would be down on my ballot in terms of uh, in terms of the most likely winners. But I'm just not ready to write it off entirely.
3: But some of the best music falls between genres historically. So the fact that that we're seeing a merger of genres and maybe a breakdown of strict genres could make the Grammy's job of classifying things by category harder going forward. So
2: with the, uh, the five albums that are left, three of them, Invasion of Privacy by Cardi B, uh, Scorpion, Drake, and the Black Panther album uh, curated by Kendrick Lamar, to Paul's point earlier, three hip-hop albums that at least both of you guys think are in contention, do those cannibalize each other, or does what does one of them have that the other two are lacking that'll help it stand out a little more?
3: Well, Black Panther has obviously uh, a link to the biggest movie of the year and a a very important movie in that it was the first black superhero movie and now the first superhero movie period to be nominated for the Oscar for Best Picture. Uh, It's curated by Kendrick Lamar, who's a three-time nominee in the category. He has yet to win. Um, And so there'll be a sense in a lot of quarters that he's due. Uh, Kendrick had eight nominations this year, more than any other artist, so there's a lot going for that, even though, you know, yes, it is competing with Drake and Cardi B, which will make it tough for a rap album to prevail when the votes are being split three ways.
0: Yeah, I, I, I could see the case for all three here. I think Drake's chances are probably hurt the most by him being a kind of him being a Grammy no show in years past. Yeah. Uh, he, he hasn't really wanted to play the game uh, the last few years since, since Views was uh, was nominated a couple of years ago, uh, and Scorpion. You now, not that this necessarily matters that much for Grammys, but it was obviously not a, not a, a very well received album critically. Uh, you now, neither, neither necessarily was uh, Adele's Twenty Five or, uh, or Bruno Mars' Twenty Four karat Magic. I think, but uh, it, it just, it's just just sort of hard for me to see this being the album that kind of that, that kind of breaks Drake out of that. Uh, just honor to be nominated, sort of sort of role that he's in now. Uh, Cardi B, that that seems more plausible to me. I think uh, you know, she's she's got all the momentum on her side. She's got nominees in all the other major categories, uh, and certainly that that was an album that was just a, a, a complete triumph. And from from its chart success to its critical acclaim, and you know it was, it was on pretty much every year end list to just just general fan reception. Uh, I, I don't think there's ever been a bad word spoken about that album, really, uh, and. And it's also just the, the most—it's it's the most traditional of the rap albums nominated. It's—it's—it's it's, it's sort of an easily understood album for for old, for more old school rap fans. Whereas the Drake album, you know, I mean, it, it mixes into R and B and pop and more explicit ways. And and the Black Panther album, I mean, it, there there is a history of soundtracks winning at the Grand I mean, you know, but it, it's been a little while now since I think Oh, oh brother or art Thou in either two thousand and two or two thousand and three. Uh, and even though I agree with Paul that there might be a sense that Kendrick's do, I, I don't think people are going to want the first Kendrick album to win to be an album that isn't really even a Kendrick album. You know, I actually think that's the best of those the, the three albums. I think it's the strongest and most coherent of the three albums. Uh, and I, I think it, it really breaks ground for what, what a soundtrack can and should be in 2018. But it's still a soundtrack. It's still a various artist's album. And a lot of people see that and go, eh, I don't know, it, it doesn't feel like a proper Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar album to me. So I, I would say of those three, the, the one I think that has the best chance is the Cardi B album. Uh it what none of those are the ones that I that I, or the one that I ultimately predicted to win the category though.
2: So when Cardi B you're talking Cardi B, does the question of demographics and, and personality come into play? Because I think a lot of people may think the traditional Grammy voter, there'd be something sort of repulsive about them thinking that we're gonna give Cardi B album of the year and you can you can almost hear the acceptance speech mm. now and for some people that's a big, you know, eh I want you know, like <laughs> I mean I think there are people who would be just, you know, jaws dropping on the floor. Does that does that hurt her cause at all or Sometimes with with the new uh, the new membership does that potentially counteract that wave or they is...
3: invited nine hundred people I don't think nine hundred people took took them up on the offer I think it was more like a couple hundred but still that's a large number of new voters yeah. I think the fact that she's a woman will help um, it's the year of the woman and uh, to be a female rapper. Um, in such a strong, commanding position, I think that strength may outweigh any brashness that might turn off uh, older voters.
2: At least two albums that we have not talked about, um, which which are semi-related. Uh, I think, um, along with Andrew, uh, I think my pick for the winner is In This Bunch. There's only two left, uh, including an album that I think was came out at the top of the year that a lot of people liked. It, it didn't make huge commercial waves, but I, I saw it on so many year-end lists that I think that really gives momentum. And for me, that's Casey Musgraves, Golden Hour. Um, also, Brandy Carlisle's By The Way, I Forgive You, We Haven't Talked About, um, I mean, sort of two different two different picks. They're not necessarily Grammy hometown favorites, even though Casey has won a couple of years ago. And Brandi Carlisle, sort of in that, that folk vein, is, is certainly the least commercial of these acts. Um, I'm thinking the Casey Musgrave album is probably the winner. I think helping its case when it won the, the CMA Album of the Year put it back on the radar in a way that people had forgotten about. The album came out in March, so it really has been out for about a year. Not the country radio and all those kind of traditional metrics, not a huge supporter of it, but I don't know. I think it just kind of mixes in a way that with pop and, and country and some, some disco feel in a way that is, uh, I guess, to the sort of um, hallmark of Winner's Past,
0: not offensive to anybody and really enjoyable. Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you say there about the Casey Musgraves album. But I my pick for it was actually the Brandy Carlisle album. Oh, uh, and I'll, I'll say that again. Like the eight nominees, makes it's really hard to predict. And and I I am you know maybe more confident in this than than any of the other nominees, but it's not by a lot, and it's not even by that much over Casey, who I agree, you know, she had the CMA Album of the Year winner. I, th- I think that was significant. Uh, I think that her her critical consensus is about as close to you know one hundred percent approval as, as anybody in this category. Uh, and, and everyone just really likes her, and 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 if, and she still feels like an underdog story, even though she's she's been in this kind of mold for for three albums now. But Brandi Carlile, I mean, she she's a veteran. She's been around forever, and she has major, major industry support. I mean, like, when, when there was that tribute album to her a couple of years ago, and there were all these names on it that you were like, wow, like how, did they get, how did Brandi Carlyle get that? Like, there was, you know, Adele, I think, did a track, uh, Pearl Jam were on a song. that I think Barack Obama wrote the liner notes for it, maybe, or at least had, had, had part of the, you know, he was partly involved in, in, in the in the liner notes, uh, and I, I think that this is was one of those cases where, sort of, as Paul was saying, that like the, the, some of the more similar nominees are going to are going to kind of cancel each other out. And the fact that Brandy Carlisle fans have been Brandy Carlisle fans for a while, and this this was was kind of a, a peak moment of exposure for her. And you know, who knows if she'll get this kind of chance again? They're going to kind of rally around her. And I thought the fact that she had nominations also for song and record of the year for for the joke, I think that's significant too. I mean. These other sort of fringier nominees and Casey and Janelle and one or two others aren't really present in those other those other major categories. And I, I think the fact that she was able to get into all three of them, even though I, I personally wouldn't have predicted her for any of them, I think that means she has more support than we realize. And you know, it, was, it was a good album. It was it was it was, a, it was an acclaimed album. And I, I think I think it's. I don't know if I want to call it a front-runner, but if I had to put my money on one album, that would probably be the one I'd put it on.
1: Casey has to benefit, though, from being sort of the de facto pop entrant. If you, if you consider uh, Drake yeah. and Cardi B more on the hip-hop uh, side, Casey, this album is much more pop than anything. Uh, it's not traditional country. It's a lot of pop influences. Does that open up a lane that, well, the Ariana's not up for anything? There's no major established pop stars. This this kind of fits the bill, and there's nothing else really uh, that sounds like it up against
0: it. It's possible. In, in my mind, that, that vote would kind of trickle down to, to Casey as well as Janelle Monáe and maybe a couple of the rappers that lean more pop. You know, Post Malone, as, as, as Paul pointed out, he's, yeah. he's he's a pop nominee this year, too. Right. And he certainly ha- he, he gets played more on pop radio at this point than, than rap radio, hip, uh, R&B radio. So uh, maybe, uh, certainly pop fans love Casey Musgraves. Uh, so there, there, that, that could be a factor. And again, I think, I think that album really does have a chance, but it's just, it, w- it wouldn't be my number one choice. I think
1: it might get hurt a little bit from, it. it is more critical acclaim than I think, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of after it came out, there was no breakout single really from it. And that, that kind of hurts its cause.
2: But that doesn't hurt Brandy Carlisle because it's a different sort of.
0: It more it's like a Casey different album, like, yeah, yeah, she making a play for pop. I don't think anyone's yeah. ever – yeah, no one's ever said, like, when's that big Brandy Carlisle cross right. over hey, here? Gonna come I, hey,
1: I've I wondered for years. <laughs> but Paul, you're taking all that?
3: I, I agree that they are both very strong, both women. I think they appeal to a lot of the same voters. Um, country and Americana are kind of cousin genres. Uh, for that reason, I'm saying Black Panther – uh, mm-hmm. Though I must, as I said at the outset, I think the difference between number one and number five will be uh, pretty, pretty, uh, it'll be very close. And it really could be any of those five albums. But I do agree with that. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take my chances with Black Panther.
2: Uh, Paul, to that point that you made earlier about um, sort of the Grammys, if they're angling towards more hip hop to seem more relevant. Uh, when Andrew brings up the question about Brandi Carlile winning Album of the Year, does that risk that same kind of irrelevancy if you have, you know, Cardi B and Drake and Janelle Monae up for Album of the Year and then all of a sudden, you know, people are going to say, well, Grammys are going to Grammy and give it to Brandi who? Does that Does that risk like in a different way than, you know, does, but does that risk that same kind of question of, of
3: getting, you know, viewer and youth support for years to come? I'm sure that will be said. We should probably say that no matter what they do, they're going to be criticized. Um, But yes, if there are five rap or hip-hop nominees, as there are in Album of the Year, um, I'm counting Post as Pop, but if you want to say he's also hip-hop, then you'd, you'd have six out of eight being r&b urban contemporary hip-hop that you know large school of music and the winner is brandy or casey there will be people who say the grammys will always find the one that isn't uh hip-hop and go that way i'm not sure if that's fair i think when you split the vote so many different ways it makes it hard for one of them to win but but We'll have to see what happens, yeah, and and it should
0: be pointed out too that you know while while it would be seen as you know maybe musically regressive for the for the Grammy's for award, Brandi Carlile with the biggest war of the night, uh, she is an openly gay woman. Uh, who I, I don't believe an openly gay artist has ever won an Album of the Year before, so that there'd be uh, you know that that would be progressive. In George right. Michael, I forget if he was openly gay uh, in '88. No, definitely not. Uh, not not until definitely like, not. <laughs> not, not. Not for like a decade. I think after that still. So, oh, okay. uh, but yeah, I mean, so it, it would be. You know, it, it's, it's kind of you know two, two steps forward, one step backward, or or vice versa. Right. But you know, the, the, there's a, there's a narrative that they can hang it around if, they, if if the you know the Grammys so chose, and also the fact that it would be a you know a woman certainly after last year yes. where women were mostly shut out of the major categories, and Neil Portnow infamous step up comments. So you know, it, it's it's no no winner I think except for maybe Cardi B would kind of satisfy everybody, uh, and and then again you know you would have the, maybe the old fashioned music fans who would who would tut tut at that. But yeah, it, it, there's there's at least positives I think to be read into almost every every one of these nominees, uh, with, you know, except for maybe Post Malone. So <laughs> if, if that was if that was Post Malone's agent, I would I would be praying that that he loses uh, in all major categories in the Grammys. I, I I think nothing nothing good will come to him if he if he's a, if he's a big winner.
3: I agree, and it's again not his fault. Um, nope. yeah. He's a white hip hopper who makes very good records, but. Uh, yes, he would be. As Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, you know, were mm-hmm. beat up after they beat Kendrick Lamar. It's not his. It's not their fault they beat Kendrick Lamar. But I think it hurt their career that they that they won four Grammys. So maybe artists should consider not entering their stuff. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's a. It it can be a problem for them, as it would be for Post, and and, and it shouldn't be. They should be able to just celebrate their achievement and not worry about the the
1: repercussions i got no rules, i count them. Let's uh, do one more category, Paul, Andrew, uh, Trevor. Uh, for this week, we'll pick up. Uh, this is uh, We've got so much to talk about. We'll spread this out over two weeks, so let's do one more uh, for this episode. Uh, Best New Artist. Let's run down uh, the, the names. Uh, Chloe and Hallie, Luke Combs, Greta Van Fleet, Her, Dua Lipa, Margot Price, BB Rexa, Georgia Smith.
2: Can we start with the, the emissions? Do you think there's anybody here... Who or, or who was not nominated? Who should have been this year?
0: Uh, if you want to throw Juice World in there, I think probably uh, he, you know. Yes, he had a He had a massive me. year. Uh, yes, and you know, I, I feel like you know the, most of the, the kind of the rappers from that SoundCloud set don't obvi- don't don't traditionally get recognition in the, the major Grammy court categories. I guess uh, Lil Uzi Vert got nominated either last year or two years ago. I can't remember, but uh, but yeah, he, he's he's certainly one of the biggest artists that that that, that didn't get. That both didn't get acknowledged and didn't have a reason why he shouldn't be. Uh, but yeah, it, it's hard to come up with with names that are missing. Uh, you know, Billie Eilish too. I think is is someone who had a you know a pretty major last twelve months. But you know she doesn't have an album yet. Uh, you you certainly see bigger things for her in the future, and maybe she'll get nominated next year. Uh, LMA not nominated even though Boot yes. Up was a massive hit. And, yeah.
2: you know, th- those three artists are a little more on the, the fringe kind of uh, experimental R&B, if you want to call it that. And she's definitely way more in the commercial sort of classic lane. And uh, I think people are surprised that, that they sort of opted for the alt-R&B versus somebody who, especially, I guess, in the shadow of Alessia Cara last year, seems kind of tailor-made for that commercial R&B pop mix.
3: Ella May's song Boot Up is up for song of the year. I think... There there may have been voices and sentiment in the committee room, you know, let's make two artists happy and not just one. We can give her both, but if we maybe go with Georgia Smith instead, then we give a exposure to another worthy artist. And I see that thinking, I, I and, you know, it makes sense. Uh, it, it feels, I feel bad for Ella that she, I, I think, is a terrific singer and, and a promising artist, and she was knocked out because of, you know, their strategizing. Two of the biggest
1: pop names, the the acts that had the two biggest hits of this list, B.B. REXA and Dua Lipa, Uh, again, same thing. Is is pop uh, at some sort of a disadvantage this year when it's considered a little more old school? But again, those were the two huge hits. Uh, Paul?
3: I think Dua Lipa is definitely in the mix. Uh, uh, With eight... Finalists. Uh, it helps me to kind of figure out who are the top four, and I think it's Luke, her, Greta Von Fleet, and Dua Lipa. I think any of those four could win, and I. It's harder for me to see any of the other people winning. Uh, and Dua, you know, it's coming on strong. She'll probably win the dance award for electricity. Uh, so she's definitely uh, one of the front runners for this. When we look at this award historically. Um, is this an
2: award? I think some people think maybe is it driven by by one single and you're a, you're a hit maker and that helps you out, or is it really one of the few awards that really takes a whole body of work into account? Because I think this category people probably remember, I guess the upsets more than they remember sort of the the supposed to wins. You know the Esperanza Spalding's, Spalding. the the, the Bonavaires, the people who sort of as a, as a sum of their body of work are probably more impressive than just having that one hit. Or you know, two hit singles to their to their name that year.
0: Yeah, I think you've you've seen it both ways. I would say that you know, last year's winner, Alessia Cara, is probably a little bit closer to the one or two hit singles by that point because she had technically been around for a couple years. She probably had three or four, but she didn't really. Ha- she I, I, I wouldn't have considered her to be like a career artist at that point necessarily. Like not like not. But then again, a couple you know the year before that, we had Chance the Rapper, and he he was he had already built up a fan base over half a decade at that point. And you know it's it's you know it really start, throws into stark relief just exactly what best new artist means because you know there are these artists that feel like they've been around forever. I mean, BB Rex is one of them. She she's been a, a major factor in pop music since at least 2013, maybe even longer than that. Uh, so the, you know, best new artist it, it can go either way. I think you can have this, the artist that's sort of popping off of a couple of radio hits and this, and the one that feels like they've already built up a pretty solid fan base. And I, I sort of agree with Paul's top four there. I think. I, I had pegged her for this award just because her album of the year nomination came so so far out of nowhere that it's the same sort of thing as Brandi Carlile. Well, I just I just figure that she has more support than we realize, and and you know in a relatively weak class of, of new artists, I think that that the the album of the year advantage you know that, that, that's a pretty big edge. Uh, but I also can see the case for event Fleet as being you know the you know, for voters who have kind of felt left out in the wilderness for the lack of rock nominees the last few years this is the most traditionally rock nominee in the major category we've had and I don't even know how long probably at least at least 3 or 4 years and you know the the, the discussion about them has gotten so immersive with the, the that infamous pitchfork review that that was that was so so negative and now they're playing SNL recently like it it, it seems there's a, there's a case to be made for Greta Van Fleet, even even though I not I'm not even sure if their album was released it was either re- released at the very end of the eligibility period or the very beginning of this year's eligibility period the album is,
3: n- is going to be in next year
0: okay i so, think the ep is yeah, the, the EP. one yeah the ep so i, I mean that, that they don't really have traditional hits in in the Alessia Cara Dua Lipa sense uh, so that might hurt But, but neither been needed at ACRF and 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 she's 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 certainly in the mix so it really could go either way. I, I would personally like to see Dua Lipa win it because she's, I think, the, the artist who, five years from now, we're going to look back and, and say, okay, this was the start of something and like, that really kind of got even bigger from there. Whereas Greta Van Fleet, I mean, I, I don't know if I see them necessarily being as big as Led Zeppelin five years from now. I think this is probably as good as it's going to get for them. Uh, but yeah, so it, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see which way the voters go. I, 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 I almost dare not predict. She drives me wild
1: It, she can't help but amaze me the way that I
3: will can. dare to predict. I think Luke Holmes <laughs> could win. <laughs> okay. it, it, his album has just had uh, amazing longevity. It's been number one uh, in three calendar years now. And uh, it is very much in the country field, but that's the country vote is probably something like 20% of the Academy. And that's all you need to win when you have eight nominees. I, I think again it'll be tight with her and Dua and Greta Von Fleet, but uh, I, I'll I'll go with Luke.
2: If you're Dua Lipa or BB Rex in this category, do you want to win this award? And I only ask because because <laughs> yes. the, the, well, the well, yeah, well, of course you want to win. But I guess I'm guess looking in the past, like the past couple of years, I'm thinking of with Megan Trainor, Leslie Akara. Not that they got backlash for that, but it seems like, you know, that was sort of a, a pinnacle of a career that nobody really saw coming. And they haven't been able to capture that mm-hmm. same kind of momentum, you know, even remotely close yeah. since. And I wonder, especially given the slate of nominees, that people think that the, the hers and the Georgia Smith and the quote unquote, you know, true artists get overshadowed by these these pop acts if there is potential for you know, that sort of in that post-Malone kind of way, but not, not to that same extent, but that kind of backlash where, of course, you know, once again, Grammy's going to Grammy.
3: I'm impressed when people don't do terribly well in the nominations, maybe just get a couple of minor nominations, and they tweet about it and say, oh, I'm so thrilled to be nominated for this. You know, I would think they'd be so disappointed and crushed, but they'll, they're – they'll take whatever they got because we forget sometimes how much it means to artists. They grew up, every artist who's involved in music grew up watching the Grammys and the American Music Awards and the Billboard Awards and and really did dream that one day they would be there. And so it means a lot to them. If I was a manager of any of these artists, I would tell them not to Sweat it if they lose because it really doesn't matter. You want to win, but you know Taylor Swift lost Best New Artist, and you know it, it didn't end her career. Um, there, you know there the the list of people who didn't win is as impressive as the list of people who did.
0: Yeah, and I, I think if you if you look back through the history of this award, I mean obviously there's you know there, there's sort of the reputation of that Best New Artist curse. Uh, and you can certainly find pr- plenty of examples that that, that show that, and you know, whether it's you know, extreme cases like Milli vanilli or, or, or less just maybe more predictable ones like uh, Shelby Lynn. But for every artist like that, there's a Christina Aguilera or Maroon 5 who goes on to have, you know, a decades-long yes. career. And uh, yes. so, it, you know, it's, it's hard to predict from the outset, but it, I think it ends up being close to 50-50 at the end of the day. And as, as for someone like Dua Lipa, I don't think that she's really facing much in the way of a backlash uh, if she does win. I think that the Alessia Cara backlash last year wasn't really so much about Alessia Cara just as much as it was, well, A, people wanted SZA to win. I don't know if there's a there's a nominee this year that, that the people will really get behind the same way. And B, just because you know there there been a push for her the year before, it felt like the year before was the year where she should have been recognized. She wasn't then, yes. so it, to to be it kind of felt like she was the best new artist nominee two years in a row, and for her to finally win like that, it, it wasn't you know it, it, it didn't
3: feel right intuitively for for most viewers. So here had been a top five record, you know, a year or two before she won, yeah. which is when you ignore a top five record, uh, you know, I think. The fact that she won last year is the main reason Post Malone wasn't eligible this year because they said we, you know, we maybe are being too generous with letting them have a two-year opportunity, and and maybe we need to uh, cut it back. Combs is nominated, and he was he's been strong in the country market for two years.
0: Yeah, it, Luke would make sense, I think, to me, but we'll, we'll see.
2: I'm also realizing, not that anybody's thinking about this, but it just hit me that Luke Combs is the only guy nominated in mm. that field, yeah. which, you know, I'm sure backwards thinking, but and not that I'm sure that's going to sort of help him out. <laughs> but just just curious that it just hit me that, yeah.
1: All right, with uh, eight nominees in these categories, we've got a lot to talk about. So let's uh, let's uh, come back next week. Andrew, Paul, going to be back uh, for part two. We'll get into Record of the Year, Song of the Year, uh, some of the other categories as well, because uh, Grammys aren't here yet, so we got time.
3: Can't wait. Yeah. Okay, great.
2: All right, so that was part one of two of our Grammy roundtable discussion. We'll be back next week to finish out the big four categories, talking about record and song of the year. And as we look ahead to the Grammys on February 10th, um, I'm sure the Recording Academy certainly will hopefully pause and honor one of the great Grammy-winning artists that we lost this week, James Ingram. At uh, age 66, a two-time Grammy Award winner, uh, he won two awards in the 1980s, Best Male R&B Vocal Performance, 1982 for 100 Ways, and 1985, a Best R&B Duo Group Vocal Performance with Michael McDonald, the song, Yeah, i am there. So really one of the, the great R&B vocalists uh, of the past half century. And even though, you know, he may not have gotten sort of the same acclaim or shine as maybe someone... Uh, like a luther vandross like an usher like a prince like a michael jackson you know he's one of those guys who was just so so talented um that that hopefully maybe one of the silver linings of this is people really can take some time especially with all the tools that we have now to really dive into the catalog because yeah everybody can't be necessarily a superstar but that doesn't mean just because they're not these huge artists that they don't put out quality work that they are not as talented as some of these superstars. So really hoping that uh, some people are able to dive back into that catalog, specifically a lot of the 80s material, work with Quincy Jones on a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, he's a singer-singer for, for now and forever.
1: Yeah, I remember in uh, late 1990, when uh, I Don't Have the Heart uh, came along, it was kind of a slow-building song on Hot 100. I remember it, it went to number one. I, I sort of thought it was a little, little surprising. It was a time when uh, you know, Vanilla Ice was going to number one at that point and for a, just a, a classic R and B song with such a great vocal, such a great melody uh, to go to number one. I thought it, it really just showed that well, uh, good song can really be appreciated, a really a deserving number one.
2: Exactly right. Um, so in tribute, you know, to James, and we'll see what the Grammys cook up. I know their their plate's got to be kind of big this year with with Aretha and Mac Miller and a lot of others. So hopefully there's. There's time to get something appropriate for James together. We here want to do our part uh, and honor the number ones that he had on the Hot 100. Uh, I Don't Have the Heart, his second number one in the early 90s. His first came back in the 1980s, a duet with Miss Patty Austin. Uh, We're going to close with that song that got him to the top of the Hot 100 for the first time. Here is Baby Company.
1: There's a brand new way of looking at your life when you know that love is standing by